Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you attract and retain that top talent, we can certainly help. Check us out to build a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host here back again with my fantastic co-host, Al McDonald. Al, what are you saying on this fine Friday? Well, a number of things. I mean, always excited to speak with our guests and we've got a great lineup today and we're about to have, a, I think, a great conversation with our guests today, but also looking forward to a long weekend. So it's going to be very exciting and see my kids for the first time since university started again. So yes, it's going to be a fun weekend. So the kids still come back when there's food being put on the table, I guess, eh? Well, for now, anyway. So uh, unless something, you know, (laughs) they have a bad experience. Yes, they're always here. Well, enjoy it while it lasts. That's right. You know, people have heard me say that, and Al, probably after 159 episodes released, Al's heard me say this so many times, but it's so true. One of the things I love about the podcast is we get to meet really great people who know other really great people And today is no exception. So one of the people that we've connected with, I think, I hope he's listening to this and he would consider the same, but I do consider him a friend now. Adam Spencer gave us such a great introduction. And for those of you don't know that haven't been on the podcast, we will always book a chemistry call. And just to see if there's a fit there to, you know, have a further conversation. And we had such a great conversation with this person that I knew probably two minutes into the conversation, we were going to ask them to come on the podcast. So with no further ado, joining us today is Alex Stark, who is partner and head of business development at Modern Concierge. And Modern Concierge is the Toronto-based boutique luxury concierge service that makes your life easier and a whole lot finer. I love that. I just, I want to dig into that. But before we do, Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. Good to see you. And for those of our listeners who consume most of our podcast via audio, we do record so we can actually see the person. So we're recording on a platform called Riverside and we get to see the person. And it's really nice to have a conversation this way. Alex, where I thought we'd start is maybe tell us a little bit about what Modern Concierge is, where it came from, what your role is there, because I didn't realize there was this level of service that is available to people like ourselves out there. And so I think it'd be a good place to start just to get an understanding of what you do. Yeah. So Modern Concierge is a personal concierge. We manage all of our clients, all of our members' personal lives, everything from finding a plumber for them, finding the right trades, helping them plan their kids' birthdays, being proactive with helping them remember when their anniversary is and not forgetting to make that reservation until the night before and then not being able to get into the restaurant um, or sending their mom flowers on Mother's Day. We do everything for our clients in their personal lives. And yeah. 
Can you share with us, because you have a background before you went into this, and I hope you're comfortable sharing, and if you're not, you can we can edit this out. But you have a background before you joined Modern Concierge, and I forget the Instagram handle that you had told me, <laughs> but you had created this massive following on your own before you got into Modern Concierge. So can you tell us a little bit about that? And then how did that translate into joining the company that you're with now? Yeah. So I was, I mean, it's such a long story. I feel like I told you such a long story before, but essentially started in the music industry at EMI and then they got bought out by Universal and I was still a little young. And then I realized that I really liked the digital marketing side of that. So I started a marketing company. And then if you are from Toronto, listening from Toronto, there's this place called Yorkville. That's kind of the high end where all the stores are, the cute little boutiques some of the really nice restaurants and some great stores and business owners. So I started a Instagram account and a blog at the time that really helped connect them and show off that part of Toronto. And then we did these parties called the Yorkville After Five. And it was for the business owners and anyone who was kind of influential in the area who owned restaurants, who wanted to show off kind of a little bit about what they did or who they were or their product. Anyway, so then I met... Tina, Tina is my business partner, because the girl that I was doing these events with brought Tina in and she and I kind of hit it off right away. I was four months pregnant at the time. And she, for some reason, was like, you really need to like come on board with me and let's partner and kind of build this together. So yeah, so it was a really interesting, I did some insurance work in there at some point too, but um, that's not important. <laughs> I think everyone I talked to has done some insurance at some point in, in their career. Al and I just stuck with it, but yeah, it seems like a lot of people. So when you met Tina, was Tina aware of the branding that you had already created and the following that you created? And what was it like going into that partnership? Because one of the things I feel very fortunate about when Al, Joe, and I started the business, there was actually a fourth partner and the three of us I won't say our vision has never changed, but it's evolved together. And our fourth partner wasn't really seeing the same future of the company that we were with. And I'm happy to report that he's doing well in the business today. We're doing very well in the business. So it was an amicable, I can say that, split. It's worked out. But I'm always curious about partnerships because to me, that's a little bit scary going into that partnership. How did you feel if you were having the success on your own at the time? How did you feel about going into a partnership with, I'm assuming you didn't know Tina that well at that time? Like I said, Tina and I really, we hit it off like right away. We had a conversation and again, I was four months pregnant. So I had this thought that in my marketing world, I was kind of going to pull back for a year and take care of this. But I didn't really know what my next year or two was going to look like. It was my first. So when I spoke with Tina, it was very comfortable and it gave me a little bit of flexibility to say, okay, I've got someone who is going to support me and I'm going to support them. And if she's gone, like I can help her and she's going to be there for me when I have my baby. And it, it wasn't going to be all on me. And I really liked that. And before I went on mat leave, I actually, I wasn't a partner right at then. She brought me on just to do business development. And then when I came back from mat leave, we decided that I should be a partner and kind of build that partnership together. Alex, can you talk a little bit about, because you, it sounds, you know, early career and, and since 
been very successful in what you've been doing. But as a business owner, I think we all know that it's not all success stories. There's obstacles along the way, there's challenges. And one of the things, messages we hear quite often is, yeah, you know, I can relate to that. Everyone has some obstacles that they have to overcome and it's not all just success. And so can you talk about some of the things you've had to overcome, maybe some of the mistakes you've made and just share some of those experiences? For sure. I think Tina would agree. The biggest thing that we've had to, I don't know if it's overcome, but really something that I think we made a mistake on was right before COVID, we were really struggling on what our business model should be. Should it be less expensive and be more accessible? Should it be a membership base? Should it be hourly? How many different types of offerings should we have? So we went through a bunch of them and we really, we tried a bunch of them without really, I think, thinking through, we just would listen to someone who would come to us and would say, Hey, this is what I'd want. And we'd be like, okay, sure. We'll try it. And although it was fine, it helped us kind of grow. It also was, uh, I think a bit of an obstacle because we didn't have a focus. So then during COVID, which surprisingly was helpful for us, I mean, it was terrible, is terrible still, but we had time to really sit and focus and say, okay, we've got this clientele that has been with us and is still with us through COVID and we do everything for them. No one's really coming to us to plan events and that kind of thing. What should we really focus on? And the one thing that we thought through when we found was that if we had a less expensive model that was a membership model, People would come and they would use us for three, four months, and then they'd leave because they weren't actually using us. They didn't really see the value. They thought, yeah, okay, what's 500 bucks a month to have someone if I can call them? And then after three, four months, they'd say, okay, well, I didn't really use you. So in that, we found that the proactivity that we do is very important, reaching out to our clients and saying, hey, we know your friend's birthday is coming up. Do you want us to help with that? Or we know that you send your mother flowers on Mother's Day. Do you want us to send those for you? And you spent $100 last year on calla lilies. Do you want to send that again? So finding the right balance of the cost, as well as like expensive enough that they're not just saying, yeah, whatever, I'll sign up for a few months and see if it works. They're really thinking about, okay, we need this, or I need this, and I'm going to invest in it because it's important to me to have this service and someone who really understands what the service is. And then also having the value for them. So we're not an Amex. We're not someone who they just call once a month because I want a restaurant reservation. So making sure that we had something that was different and unique, that then we also could charge an amount that made sense and made people stick around. It sounds backwards, but it seems like the more expensive we got, the longer our clients stick around. And it's funny that you say that sometimes, like you say, things are counterintuitive and you don't really, you can think, you know, yeah. but until you try it out, sometimes you're surprised. So that's really interesting. You must have a few stories about some real successes that you've had, where you've made some people really happy or that you've made yourself really happy. Can you share some? Yeah, I think there's two things that are totally separate. As far as the concierge side of things go, there's one thing that we did for me being a parent. This like really pulled at my heartstrings. We had a mother call. If she hears this, she's going to laugh because I tell this story all the time. She's going to. Anyway, she called me or messaged me on a Friday and she said, 
my dog, and if you have kids, you'll know how horrifying this is. She had a young child whose dog ate their stuffed animal. And it was like that child's stuffed animal. If you know, you know, like it was her stuffy. Dog ate it and the stuffed animal had been discontinued. So the mom couldn't find another one. And so she called us and she said, I know like it's such a long shot. And this is, again, this is after hours, but we tend to try to, if we can, help our members. Is there any way you can help find it? And I think by that Monday, this was a Friday, by that Monday, we had two at her house. (laughs) We were like, here's one and then here's a backup. (laughs) To me, that was like, that's why we do this. Like really helping people get through stressful situations. Yes, we can get you the Taylor Swift tickets. Yes, we can get you the restaurant reservations. But we're also here to help you when things are stressful or you're just so overwhelmed and you don't know how to fix it. So on the concierge side of things, that's my favorite story. It will probably always be my favorite story because I really, truly can feel that pain from the mom that would have been freaking out. As far as the business goes, I think my favorite moment, which was a while ago now, but to me really justified what we were doing, was when we got an A-list celebrity as a member. I feel like if someone is referring us to that type of clientele, we're doing something right. Yeah. So as far as like a success story in the business, like that to me is really cool because now I know that we're good, right? I know that our team is good and that we've trained them well, but having someone else say, hey, you have the highest expectations of anyone you have to go to Modern Concierge is when it was like, okay, we're doing something right. Those are both great stories, but I can see why the story about the mom had such a great impact because there is nothing worse than having your child lose that thing that's most near and dear to them. And it pretty much tears your heart out (laughs) if if you can't help them out. Well, as Alex is telling that story, I'm thinking of the Winnie the Pooh, my mom, little teddy bear that she got me when I was six years old. And how many years have I had that? It is in my office at home still. Oh. So important it is to me. And it's all ratty and dirty. It's like really disgusting. I'm thinking, so Mom, ratty. didn't you ever watch this thing? <laughs> but it was so important to have. So I can only imagine if the dog had ate it and you're trying to replace that. Oh, my goodness. So, Alex, I have the benefit, and Al and I both have the benefit, of meeting you before the podcast. Yeah. So this isn't something that I had planned to ask you, but it came to mind as we're chatting here. And I think it's an interesting story. So I want to ask you, and again, if you don't want to answer it, that's okay. We can edit it out. But I find most entrepreneurs, here's how it goes. Both have steady jobs earlier in the careers, you know, husband and wife or two partners. And one partner decides, hey, I've got this idea. I've got this entrepreneurial itch that I want to scratch. You keep your steady job. I'm going to go out and try this. Yeah. And in your family, because I have the benefit of knowing your husband, Mike, now, who's also going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks, he left the steady job and went out and, you know, said, I'm going to go out on my own too. So I think that's really rare where both partners kind of go at the same time and add to that. I think the timeline is because I'd talked to Mike as well. You were pregnant Mm -hmm. and he kind of joked around like, hey, what perfect timing. What's that like? Because I have to think there's some additional challenges there when you're both pursuing those dreams and where you're not going to have that steady paycheck anymore. Can you maybe talk to us about that? Yeah, we did a lot of planning, a lot of financial planning to make sure that we weren't going to be in a position where we were in hardship, let's say. 
for him, it had to happen. He still had his own business, but I'm sure you'll talk to him about it. But he had one kind of main client that he let go. I mean, here, I'm going to gush about my husband, but he's so smart that there was never really a concern. I was never sitting back being like, oh, I don't know if you're going to be able to do this. And he knew that I could because I've been doing it now for six years. So it was or five years. So there was no concern about me going back to work. We ended up getting an au pair because it allowed us to have that freedom of having someone like be here when we needed them, but also then they have a bit of freedom as well because we're both working from home a lot of the time and I can take from 11 till one on a Thursday and spend the time with the baby and that kind of thing. So I think all I can say is you need to have a really good relationship if you're going to do that because it is so stressful. Even when you're financially like planned out and you know what you're doing and you have a plan it's still very stressful. And especially having kids too, right? Because they're like always your priority. But yeah, I don't know. I just, he needed to do it and he allowed me to do it. And now that I've kind of established this company with Tina and things are rolling, it made sense for him to do it. Timing wise, maybe not while I was on mat leave, but he had to do it. And I just kind of love him more for it. I love that you're gushing about your husband because I will gush about you know my wife whenever I get a chance. You said something very interesting, which personally I'd like to hear more about. And I think probably people listening would. You said, especially in those circumstances, you need to have a good relationship. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What goes into that relationship to make sure that you can manage the businesses, that you can you know, take time for your kids, that you can take time for yourselves in your, in your marriage, mm -hmm. right? What are the things that go into that? It's a really good question. I think a lot of it, I don't want to say like luck because that's not, but like we just really, we're always on the same page. It's very rare that we're not. We always kind of have the same idea of, okay, we both want to support each other. So we talk about our calendars almost every other day. Hey, I'm going to Toronto on this day. What's your schedule like? Can I do this? Should I change my schedule around it all? Or like, can you pick up the kids from school? Whatever it is. So being able to kind of communicate with each other consistently and openly about what's important and being able to, I don't want to say compromise because we do, but compromise can sound bad. It's not a compromise like I have to choose you over going out with my friends. It's a, I want to, I want to spend time with my husband. I want to spend time with my kids. If I get a chance to see my friends, that's great. And we make time for that. But for the most part, we both want to spend time with each other and with our kids. And so business and family are always first. And then everything else is kind of just nice. That's really cool. And I remember when we were chatting and we were booking this episode, talking about compromise, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to record today because Mike's going to have the kiddos that day. And then when Mike records, I'm going to have the kiddos that day. And when we first met, no one had the kiddos except for you because you had the kiddos on your lap stealing your glasses. So <laughs> I think it's awesome. I think it's such a great message. You know, I don't care who you are, though. If anyone says any partnership is work, my partnership with Al and Joe is work. Thankfully, it's been a very good partnership. I would say great partnership over the years, but it still takes work. Any marriage, that partnership, that takes work. Communication, which... Sometimes I had to learn over the years, like the more you communicate, the better. Oh, that took a while to sink in. 
But I think that's such a great message that communication is so important. And I think it's a cool dynamic that you guys have because you're both working from home. You're both entrepreneurs. Again, I see that it's very rare because usually someone has that steady job and it's the other person going out. So no, that's really cool. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. So can I drill down a little bit? Because both of you basically went out and started your own businesses around the same time. There's a lot of people out there who want to do that, but don't. Mm -hmm. You know, you talked about the planning you did. There's maybe lots of reasons that you felt confident. But what would you say to someone who wants to do what you've done, but is very fearful and hesitant to take that first step? I should say Tina started the business. So I came into a business that was already set up and she had some clients already. It was very different than it is now. It wasn't a membership base. It wasn't anything that it is now, but she had started this brand and she is the founder. So I was lucky enough to meet someone who I really jived with that jived with me and we thought, hey, this would be a really good partnership and very much like a marriage, right? Like we communicate, we make sure we talk about things. We're never holding things back from each other. At least I'm not, I don't think she is either, but she knows if I'm upset about something or if I think something's wrong and vice versa. So I think that was really important on that end. Going back to actually starting a business, I mean, I think planning to me is the biggest thing, right? It's just making sure that you have a plan in place and that you're not just kind of winging it. And even from building the business, right? That's something that we found. We kept winging it because somebody said, hey, I want you to do it this way. Or, hey, I, I need this. Can you just do this? And we would say, hey, sure. Okay, we'll try it for you. I think that set us back because we didn't have a plan and we weren't focused. So having a plan, knowing what you're selling or what you're providing and maybe doing some like market research on what it is so that you know, oh, there isn't 45 of these and 20 of them are going out of business. Well, then it's probably not a business to get into or isn't where you are. What do you think you are looking most forward to over the next few years? Where do you see yourself? Where do you see the company? So, I mean, coming out of COVID again, I know I hate saying, I feel like people probably talk about that all the time. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but coming out of that and now for us specifically, like it was really a game changer for us to see, okay, how can we really help people? Even if the whole world is shut down, what can we do? And so now we've got this focus. And so we're growing into the US now. We're looking to open an office in Austin, hopefully early next year. And I'm really excited about that because- I think the U.S. is going to be a huge market for us specifically in what we do. There isn't a lot of competition where, I don't know how to say this properly, but Canadians are so nice. And I feel like we're so nice to our clients, our members, that I don't know how much of that there is in the U.S. So I think we have a really unique offering that there isn't a lot of in the U.S. And I think a lot of people need the help. Personally, what are you looking forward to from a personal point of view? Oh, man, sleeping. I'm a one-year-old. <laughs> personally, my family and my work, like my work is my baby, especially right now as we grow. I think when my kids get a little bit older, we'll start traveling with them, which will be nice. And hopefully I can take them down to the US a few times and see Austin and that kind of thing because it's a really cool city. I haven't thought about it. Maybe that's not a good thing. But personally, I mean, I just, I love my life right now. So I don't know. I haven't I'm really focused on where I need to be. And let me ask it a different way, because we've talked a lot about business and what you're doing, and you're clearly passionate about it, but I'd love to know more about Alex, the person. 
And if I ask it a different way, because if someone asked me, I, I think I'd have an answer. What are one or two of those bucket list items that you'd like personally, not, not for business, just yeah. for you, for your family, for it could be purely just you, if that's what the answer is. But what are some of those bucket list items in life? I really want to go to Japan. <laughs> I think that would be cool. So bucket list, but again, this is like young kids, so it won't be, it'll be a little while. Traveling in general, I want to get my kids to see the world and I want to travel and I want to expose them to things that they're not necessarily going to get exposed to here and different cultures. So I think that's really cool. We took them to Iceland when our youngest was two months old, like just a year ago. And it was just such an interesting experience because... I mean, we didn't sleep, but we weren't probably going to sleep anyway. We had a two month old. So they got to see the Northern Lights and like the older one who was three got to see Icelandic horses and she loved them. Oh, very cool. So I really, as much as we can travel and kind of see the world and luckily I am in a career that allows us to kind of have access to things that other people don't necessarily. So I think that for sure is one of the things that I always look forward to. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you bring up Japan because two conversations this week focused on Kyoto. Oh. So a good friend of the podcast, Leah Carr, was in Japan and just had done a LinkedIn post saying how much she just loved Japan and Kyoto. And then we had lunch with Joshua Siegel, who's just such a wonderful guy. And he said Kyoto is his favorite place he's ever been. You're just making me more jealous. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's definitely on my, and my business partner's son had said the same thing when he went to Japan with his fiance, now his wife. But yeah, there's, that is definitely a bucket list item for me. And we share that as well. So very cool. Awesome. Okay. I probably didn't prepare you for this and we can edit it out <laughs> if you want, but Al does have a signature question that he asks on the podcast and it's, it's philosophical. And I, I just have a feeling you'd have a good answer for it. So if you're okay... Al? We'll fire away. And like Robin says, we can always edit if you don't want to answer it. So the question is this. A society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Like from a personal side or a business side? However you would like to answer it, there's no wrong answer here. If I'm understanding the question correctly, I think a lot of what we're trying to do is bring people in who can grow in the business when we leave. So same with my kids, right? Like I want, I feel like the biggest thing you leave behind is your children, right? Like no one really cares about anything else. And maybe I'm misunderstanding the question, but I think for me, raising children who are kind, who love deeply and love everyone around them, no matter what, and take care of people and animals and the earth that's important to me is that kind of what you're talking about like does that answer your question again no wrong answer but we've had a number of people say that exact same thing you know basically bringing their kids up to be great citizens right giving back and i think i'm doing a good job because my daughter was she's three was laying on the floor the other day and she said mom i think i have too many friends and i said what do you mean? And she is so kind to everyone. And she was like, I have all my dance friends. I have all my gymnastics friends. I have all my school friends and I have all my daycare friends. She's like, I have so many friends. And I was like, well, that's because you're kind. And she goes, I'll keep being kind. And I said, okay. <laughs> but like, I just have so many friends. And I, I was like, 
oh, but in her mind, she's just like, there's so many people that I have to like be kind to. And I'm like, just do it. Just keep being kind. And so I love that because I feel like she's really obviously being nice to people because, and when they're three, that's the age, right? Where they're just like, either they're nice or they're not. And there's not really anything you can do about it because they're three. Yes. So I think that's a good sign. We can learn a lot from the things that kids say. I was going to say, Al, isn't that a great message to end the episode on? Just be kind. Just be kind. And I'm always reminded of kind of a second part of that is be kind because you don't know what the other person you're in front of or talking to is going through, right? So just default to being kind. We can learn a lot off three-year-olds. I think the world would be a better place. So Alex, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Modern Concierge? My email address, A-L-I-X at modernconcierge.com, or they can go to the website, modernconcierge.com, fill out the form. There's an email address on there as well, the info at. Really, if you go to the website, there's tons of ways to connect with us. Okay, awesome. Well, that does it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And don't ever forget, success leaves clues, my friends. We'll see you next time. Thank you.